and it is a blessing to be here this morning. You know, this is really something, you know. I was, like I said, uh, you know, we're used to this. We, we go and travel, and, you know, I was when we got to the hotel, I said, Sharon, can you believe this? We're actually in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, because we've slept on tile floors and beds that are like, you know, uh, you know, sofa beds that don't work and, um, you know, places that we, where we were slightly uncomfortable, but, you know, we're there to do God's work, and, and, and you just, you, it, you laugh about it after. It becomes funny. It actually becomes funny because all of the experiences that you go through, they make you a better person. They make you stronger in the Lord. They make you to be able to be used more and more and more by God. So I know last night we had a nice time of fellowship, and, uh, you know, Serenity and I, we go Obviously, we've been married for 30 years, and uh, in those 30 years, uh, I've been able to go to Brazil. I said some, something like 35, 36 times, and uh, also I, I preached in Jamaica. Who's the Jamaicans that are here? God bless you. I was there in Ocho Rios in 2000, the year 2000, 23 years ago, but it was an amazing, amazing experience. The Lord really moved in that place, transformed that, that, that area. So um, we, uh, like I said, uh, you know, travel down there, and uh, we've been all over the country, up and down, crossways, this way, that way, and been able to experience and see a lot of different things, you know, and Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He told us to go. He said go, and he actually told me very specifically to go and help men and help women. And I'm going to start off just with that one testimony to share with you the experience that I had before I was even born again. God called me from a child. I know that. I know God called me from a child because I was very, very sick as a child. I caught a disease called, um, I got a virus called the Coxsackie virus and the virus attacked my heart. It's a, a um, gave me this uh, uh, kind of, what would they call it? Not myo, pericarditis. And my heart stopped in the middle of the road on Main Street in Falmouth. I was 10 years old, and a policeman saved my life. And you can read the story if you go online. You can read the story. It's on there if you know, write my name correctly. And you can, you'll find it, M-A-R-O-T-T-A. I'll give autographs later. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> Private joke. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, uh, yeah. So he, um, this policeman, my mom, I was with my mom. I was supposed to stay home. I was very, very sick. My mom said, I, I was laying on the couch. She said, get up, come with me. Because she had walked outside. She heard something say to her, go back and get your son bring him with you. I, she took her, me with her. I went downtown. I went into this daycare center to get my brother. When I came walking out of the daycare center, I was really, really sick. I felt dizzy, lost my eyesight, couldn't see, jumped in the back of the car, and next thing you know, I pass out on the back of a seat, and my heart stopped. My mom pulled over to the side of the road. She grabbed the policeman by his belt and dragged him down the street, and she was just this little thing too, you know, my mom. And she grabbed him, and he went in the back. He did a mouth-to-mouth -mouth CPR. This is 1974 now. This is not even really popular in the street yet. 
but this particular man, this young man, had just come out of the police academy. He was only 20 years old, and he was working his first year as a summer police officer directing traffic. Okay? So I'm in the center of the town of Falmouth. In the center of the town of Falmouth, I, that, that's where I am. The hospital is only about a mile and a half away, and the fire station's right up the street. They couldn't plan it any better, you know. God is perfect, God, you know. He knows what he's doing. So that man was there. He saved my life. I went to the hospital. I was really, really sick. Couldn't even sit up. They had me packed in like this thing. I don't know what you call it, but you like packed in this kind of cold and you're laying flat because they had to do a spinal tap to, to uh, you know, to uh, drain fluid out of me. And I, so I had to lay flat for four hours and I'm laying there and looking at the ceiling and I asked the nurse what happened to me. She said, she came over to my face like this in front of me. She said, Jeffrey, we'll tell you later. We'll tell you later. So they came in, they told me later what had happened to me. I was shocked, nervous. I want to see my mom. My mom came in. When my mom came in, when my mom came in, she, she, uh, I was standing, sitting up in the bed, and I said, Mom, I want a Bible. Bring me a Bible. She said, what do you want a Bible for? I said, to read it. She goes, you never read the Bible. I said, I don't know. All I know is I want to read the Bible. Well, during the time when I was in the hospital room, what happened to me was is I, they had lost me four times. Once in the street and three times on the table. Well, each time I drifted up, when, when my heart stopped, I drifted out and came back in. Drifted out, came back in. You know, so you're going to go somewhere, whether it's up or down. I was going up, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I was kind of excited about that part. You know, after I found out later on in life, you know, that there is a hell and there is a heaven. And they really, and they're both real. They're both real. So while I was there in the, in the hospital, when my mom passed away last year, I went through her things and I found something that I, I can't believe I still, that she had this. I drew this in bed when I was sick. It's a cross and there's a Bible down here in my name, Jeff M. I, so I know that God had his hand on me, and but I wasn't always such a good boy <laughs> growing up. And I went in a stray away from him and got into some trouble and had a lot of different difficult things that happened in my life. And I don't know if there's anybody here that has ever been on drugs or anything like that, but I went through that too, you know. And, and I remember having a nurse tell me that if I were to do any more drugs, I, I, I would possibly die. She said, when she found out that I had this heart problem, this doc would slam me up against the wall and say, you, you don't better not do any more drugs because you're playing Russian roulette with your life, you know? So I said all that to say this. In 1988, I quit all that garbage, you know, everything. And I'll never forget the night. It was 9.30 at night. December 17th, 1988, I ordered two drinks and a couple of beers, and I drank them back, and I said, I'm done. 
I was done because I was tired beating myself to pieces and beating myself up. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do here, you know? Because I had a consciousness of God, but not a relationship with God. I had a consciousness of him. I knew he existed, and I believed he existed because I was still here, <laughs> you know? So I... Uh, was at my grandma's house. It was uh, in the afternoon, and I fell asleep into a deep, deep sleep. And in that, when I was sleeping, I had a dream, vision, whatever you want to call it, of the passion of Christ. You've seen the movie, right? But this is 1938. That movie wasn't even out yet. What I saw was a man on a post being whipped. I was in the time of that, that time. They whipped him, beat him to no end. And I was saying to Pastor last night that every part of his body was, was cut, every part of his body. Even when the Bible says that they plucked his beard, what I saw was his beard was ripped and his bone was exposed. See, because the Bible says you, don't, you wouldn't recognize him. You, you, won't, you don't recognize him. Isaiah 53 gives you the description that you don't recognize him. You know? So <sighs> he takes his cross. He walks. He's coming. And then there's this, like, like a tunnel that goes through. And then there's this hallway on the side. And I'm in that hallway on the side. And when I saw him, man, I've never seen any person beat so bad, so ripped apart. I mean, I've seen guys get beaten before, but this was a real beating. This was something out of the, like I've never seen before. And so as he comes by, the, he stopped for a second, and then he turned, and he looked, and then I heard a voice say, I'm doing this for you. And I said, okay, and then he walked behind Jesus all the way up to where they crucified, you know, put him on the cross. And when they put him on the cross, they laid him down and they threw him down. I could still hear the sound of their flesh hitting the wood, you know, like, you know. And he just fell down on there. And then I kneeled down between the ar his arm and his torso in between there. And I looked at him and he was gurgling blood. And I heard the voice again. The voice said, go, go help the men and go help the women and go quickly. And then I was taken from that back out, back to my room, and then I sat up in the bed and I let out a scream and I shook for hours. My body was just trembling for hours, just trembling like this, like this, just shaking like this. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand this. I said, this is, I, I said if I tell anybody this, they're going to think I'm crazy. You know, if I tell my family, they'll think I'm twice as crazy because, uh, you know, how families can be, you know, sometimes. But I said, okay, I'll just hold on to this and keep it in my heart. And when I came to know Jesus, my pastor, I'm kind of resuming this a little bit, you know, 
and I came to know my, when I came to know Jesus with Sereni and everything, and I was with my pastor one day, and I said, Pastor, I have something I have to tell you. You know, he thought I was going to confess some grave sin or something that I've been doing, you know. And I said, Pastor, I got something I need to tell you. And I told him this story. And while I was telling it, I was crying. I had my head down. And when I looked up, I saw his head on the table. He was weeping, you know. And he looked up at me, and he said, Jeffrey, you have a, a massive call of God in your life. And I said, what's a call? What's that? I was so, I was green. I was like a, a little, you know, little, little deer, you know. It was like, I was so innocent. I didn't know anything. I was, I, I, I banged on that guy's door every day. I drove my pastor nuts. I was like, answer this, answer that. I don't understand this. What do you mean, Ty? Do you want my money too now? You know, <laughs> it's like everything. Every single thing that had to do with this life, this Christian life, I was like, I fought it. I fought everything, every step of the way. But once I came to, to once I surrendered, if that's the word, once I surrendered to it, then it became, it became easier. And God began to, then you get that relationship going, you know. And I didn't know anything about praying. What are you kidding me? Praying, my prayer was this. Hey, what, huh? Ooh, where? You know, <laughs> what do you want? You know, that's what I was like. What do you want? And I told him. One day, I said to the pastor last night, I went into the church one day, walked in, locked the door, because I used to go in the church and lock the door and, 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 and sit there and read after Sereni bought all the books from Brother Hagen. She didn't even know who she was buying the books from. She didn't even know who he was. She just bought these books and gave them to me, and I started to read them. I said, I like this. And then when I turned the book over and he had a heart problem too, I said, I identify with this guy. I said, I really identify with this guy, you know? But then I read his books. I read some of them. And when I said what, what, what to one of them, I looked, dropped it on the counter. I said, I'll never, I broke an arrow. I said, where is that? You know, it's like out in the middle where Indians and, you know, cowboys are, you know. And that's all I could picture was, you know, like a, a, an old cowboy movie in Indians, you know. And so I said, nah, I'll never be able to go there. And I just walked, left, left it. But there came a day. There came the day when God asked, he told me to go. He said, I want you to go there. And I told my wife and I told my pastor and we packed up our bags and we drove all the way across the country with our clothes and a television. That's all we had was our clothes in the back of a Nissan Sentra all the way across 44. And if you never drove down that road 44, it goes kaplunk, 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 all the way to Tulsa, you know? <laughs> right? Isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. So um, get there, get out of the car, look up at this massive building, and I go, this is Nissan. This huge building. I'm like, I go and turn around the window. I go, I want to go home. I said to Terry, I want to go home. Where are we? What did we do? They make a mistake. She goes, oh, no. You're going to school, she said to me. We didn't, you didn't uproot me and drive me all the way out here for, me to, for us to turn around and go back. So I, I said to Pastor last night, I quit 17 times when I was there. I quit 17 times. That was the first time I quit. And then I, I slashed it in my old, I have an old Bible somewhere at the house. I don't know where it is, but the cover's broken off of it. It was my Bible that I used in school. And I like to get it rebound, but I don't know. It's just... 
There's a part in there somewhere where the slashes are where I quit 17 times, you know. And one of the 17 times I was in the exaltation and where we would go for group prayer every Thursday. And I went down, I saw Mrs. Hagan sitting on the front row, and I said, Mrs. Hagan, I'm leaving. And she says, sit down, you know. And she's got that big, long finger of hers. And she pointed it in my face, you know. And she says, Jeffrey? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, uh, did God tell you to come here? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, if you leave, you will be the most miserable person on the face of the earth. And you will be back. So what do you want to do? I said, I'm staying. See you later. <laughs> Went back, sat down, kept on praying, you know. So I said all that to say this. Why? Why the Great Commission? Open your Bibles. Let's, roll, let's rock and roll here. All right? I just gave you a little resume, just a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll get invited back. Who knows? <laughs> and we can give you part two. How about that? All right? Great, great, great Scott. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. I guess I, I, I wonder where I'm going, right? Where every evangelist goes. <laughs> Mark 16, right? All right. And it says in verse 15. And he said to them, what did he say? Somebody help me. What did he say? Go. I believe Jesus didn't say it so gentle. I think that Jesus put a little power behind that go, you know, like go. You know, in other words, get up, get up, get up off your, your behind and go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news that you don't have to be lost anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be broke anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be possessed anymore. You don't have to be all of the above. You can be free. Isn't that wonderful that you can be free? Freedom. Freedom. I found freedom in Christ Jesus. I found freedom in Jesus like no other freedom. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am free today. I put my head on the pillow at night. Nobody's chasing me anymore. And we've had some chases. Yes, we have. We've had some chases. If you ask your pastor, he'll tell you. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. Don't have to be bound, don't have to be, you, I'm just free, go to bed at night, head on the pillow, peace, God, that's a good thing, that feels good, that really feels good, so in Mark chapter 16, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, you getting this now? These signs will follow them that what? Believe. Believe in what? Believe in, believe in Christ. Okay? So, here we go. In my name, hmm, will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Oh, glory to God. And if they drink any deadly thing, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's for the believer. You don't have to wait for some evangelist or somebody to come. Yeah, we stand in an office because God has called us to that particular office. But you don't have, just, man, lay hands on everything, man. 
If it moves, lay hands on it, you know. Pray for it. Yeah, I've seen some crazy things over the years, you know, devils and demons and jumping out of people and all kinds of stuff. Healings like you'd read about, all kinds of crazy miracles. I could go stand here for an hour and just go after testimony after testimony of miracles that I've seen God do. Now, yeah, oh, yes, yes. And it is amazing to see those things. And God is so cool that, you know, he'll, he'll, he, he wants all the glory. Just remember that. It, you're just an instrument in his hands. You know, and, you know, and sometimes people get too dependent upon the human being. And we're just instruments in God's hands. That's, we're just vessels that are, that we tr- we're conduits of God's power, you know. We plug into the power, and, and you know, it's like this. You know, we're connected to God. He's connected to us, and we connect to the people, and we lay hands on the people. And all you have to do is believe. You just have to believe in the name of Jesus. Just believe in the name. If you don't know anything else today, if you, don't, if you leave here without anything, know that the name of Jesus has power. The name of Jesus has power to cast out devils. The name of Jesus has power to raise dead people. The name of Jesus has power. And I've seen all these things. In the name of Jesus, it has power. Power to transform. Power to change. To turn you around. 180, man. From this way to that way. From going downstairs to going upstairs. Yep. I heard Brother Hagin say one time, he, did, he got into heaven still smelling the smoke. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like true, though. Some of them you get, you get right there on the edge of the de- deathbed, you know. You go, I visit a lot of people. Visit a lot of people, sick people. And when I visit those sick people, you know, there's sometimes when they're right at the last second that you have and you get a chance to minister to them and you get a chance to get them saved and and you you walk out of that hospital room going thank god thank god they made it they're going to be so happy they're going to go i'm so glad i listened to that guy you know i'm so glad that i accepted jesus because it's real folks heaven you see the holy spirit and god and when you really walk with god I'm, I'm, I'm not talking some religious structured type thing. I can't do all that stuff. That makes me nervous. You know, I get sweaty over that kind of stuff. I walk with God. I walk with God. Why? You know how I know I walk with God? Because if I do something wrong, I'm like, God, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I'm like, I didn't mean to hurt you. I mean it. I mean it. I'm saying, I'm like, I didn't really, mean, I didn't mean to hurt you, Lord. That was stupid of me. And don't lie. Don't tell me you don't do it either. You yell at people in traffic just like everybody else. You know, I mean, come on. Let's get real here. Your wife, husband and wife, how long have you been married? How long have you been married? Ten years? Okay, ten years. In ten years, you've had an argument? Of course you've had an argument. <laughs> because you are put together to help each other to grow. Okay? So you're going to have an argument. Serenity wins every time. <laughs> got this finger she goes like that you know or she goes like this <laughs> she's so beautiful do not touch her at night though 
and she's going to sleep like, like a bomb. Don't touch her. Mad, Jacob, mad at me. But in the morning, it's wonderful. <laughs> we come downstairs and Jacob, hi, honey, good morning. I say, hmm, is that the same person I was dealing with last night? I'm like, whew. You know, but walking with God, walking with him every day, walking in the, in the Great Commission, walking in what he's called you to do, walking in the anointing, walking in love, walking in the fear of the Lord, not afraid of God or fear of God, reverence, saying I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping, you know what? I call it maintaining the anointing, maintaining the power. Because what happens that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've got to pray for somebody, but you've just been a fleshly bunch of junk, and you can't do anything. You're powerless. You're rendered powerless. That's what the devil does. He wants to render you powerless. But we got the power. Amen. I got the power. Amen. Oh, yeah. Yes. You have the power. You have the anointing. Amen. Well, then use it. Use it. Use it. Start filling this place up. This place is going to be too small soon. Because when I get done with you, you're going out and win some souls. Yeah, just get one. All you got to do is get one. You, you know, you got to call in your life. Somebody gets a, pro, you know, a prophetic word or something. They receive a word. Oh, you call to the ministry, blah, 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 blah. All they can see is crusades, you know. And <laughs> listen to me, son. Let me tell you something. Before the crusades, you got to win a few souls, all right? Before God can trust you with 40,000, he's got to trust you with one. All right, got it? How's he going to trust you with 40,000 if you can't even win one soul for Jesus? Right? And I preached in front of 40,000. And I shook like a tree, man. I was so scared. I was in Portuguese in 2006. March for Jesus, John Pessoa in northern Brazil. I'm standing there on that platform, and I went, dear God, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> it was hot as nails, and... You know what I preached? I preached, my message was Jesus, the life preserver. And I went up dressed as a captain. And I had a life ring in my hand. You know those life rings that you throw when somebody's drowning? And I preached on the Titanic. That was my message. Three levels of the Titanic, three classes in the boat. Keep it simple, folks. And then, you know, you inject your Jesus, inject Jesus in there, inject him in there, keep him injecting him in there, keep, keep Jesus on the top, keep him at the helm, you know what I mean? Keep him right there as the captain, you know? And I'm telling you, I took that life preserver and I threw it right out in the middle of the crowd. And a lady grabbed onto it. And she grabbed onto it, and I said, everybody, turn towards that lady, and let's pray, those that want to receive Christ. You see? It's, you see what I mean? But if I didn't win some souls along the way, if I didn't win and, and be faithful and stay faithful in the small things and go through and show up for church on time and, and show a spirit of excellence and make sure that my, my, my hair was combed, uh, <laughs> and make sure that I'm looking good always and trying to do my very best for God, showing the excellency of, of God in my life. Yeah, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall, but he's go I'm going to get back up again because I'm learning. I'm walking. I'm learning. I'm walking with him. It's better to be walking with him than to be walking alone. Amen. So when you walk 
with him, you, you, yeah, you, maybe you might fail, but he's going to be right there to pick you up. He's going to be right there as long as you confess and tell him, Lord, I made a mistake. I missed it. Can you help me get through this thing? Yes, he will help you get through it. And one by one and little by little, God will then, he will trust you with more. And he will send you out with more and more. You know, in the beginning, I was afraid of this whole thing. I was deathly afraid, scared, like a little kid. I didn't want to do it. I, I rejected it. I, was, I said, no, I don't want to do it. I had a fight with God. No, I'm not doing it. I am not going. Why me, I said. Who am I? I am nobody. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He took this foolish thing right here. He shook him off, and he said, I'm going to use you. And not only am I going to use you, but I'm going to use you in another language too. And then I said, now you've really lost your mind. Right? I said, I can't even read in English. And I'm going to go read in Portuguese and speak another language. Well, he did. And so, eu falo português fluente. Eu tenho uma brasileira aqui. Ela, ela é meu testemunho. Eu não estou falando português certinho. Right? See, she said I'm speaking perfectly. So, there you go. So, you see what I'm saying? And that's how God is. He will take a vessel and it is broken and he will fix it and he will fill it up with his oil and he will send that vessel out with oil filled and he will use you to drop that oil on everybody. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Give a hand clap for Jesus. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, man, glory to God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, why the Great Commission? Why the Great Commission? Because God needs a vessel he can operate through. Why the Great Commission? You know, because he, 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 we, we have, we're too busy sometimes, and we don't have any time for him. You know, but he wants to send us, but we're too busy. Look at this cluttered mess we are in right now. This world is cluttered. And if you think that that little box is going to evangelize the world, I am sorry, God wrote the book. There was no little box called an iPhone back then. He said, go. He wants people preaching to people, not boxes preaching to people. And I'm not against anything that goes online. It's a good thing. We use it. It's an, it's, it, it helps us. It helps us. But we still need to go. When he called me and said, are you coming? Yes, I'm coming. Why? Because we need to go. Go where? Go into the world and preach the gospel. That's it. We still need to go. So get up. Ask God what he wants you to do and do it. Now there is jobs in the church. Get in them. There is, look at folks. You want to do this thing? Everybody has a place in the body of Christ. Not everybody is a mouthpiece. Some of us are ears, some of us are arms, some of us are backbones, some of us are legs, some of us are feet. Come on now, there's a lot of parts to the body. Be one. Get into it. Right? Amen. Are you with me or are you gone home? All right, praise the Lord. All right, you're still with me. The devil has convinced us that we have no time. He has confused us. Oh, yeah, to think, on, to, to think on the things that are not true. He tries to, you know, deceive you, get you off track, get you off in the other direction, get you away from the truth, the truth of the word. He'll fight you tooth and nail to read this book. 
He will fight you. He fights. Oh, my God, that's an ongoing battle I have with him with this. You know why? Because I know the second that I crack it open, God's going to speak to me, and he hates that. See what I mean? God's going to speak to me. This thing's alive. This book is alive. It's alive. Don't you see the heartbeat in it? <laughs> see? It's alive. Glory to God. I got this power yesterday at the men's breakfast. Pastor said, come up here. Isn't that nice? Yeah, because they we all got them. Because they're all a bunch of sweating preachers, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing. Let's keep going. The devil begins to attack you in your weakest spots. The devil has a great commission also to destroy lives. Everything that God does, he tries to copy it. He's out there on his commission. Yeah. He's using the media. He's using anything he can get his hands on to stop this gospel from being preached. And he'll do it. He'll get, you, he'll get you in the air. He'll get you right where he wants you. The devil has a great commission. He wants to destroy the lives, but we want to win lives. His favorite area is pride. His favorite area. Pride is the root to all the sin. Pride is the root to all the sin. Pride is nasty. It's nasty. It's a nasty thing. But, <laughs> yes, God gives grace to who? The humble. Yeah, right on. He wants to, he wants, he wants, the devil wants to reach you at this point. He wants, he, he uses pride to get you into sin. Yeah. He, he, he desires with all the forces to hell to stop you from completing the great commission in your life. And he does it through pride. In, in Hebrews 9, 14, it says that we need our consciousness cleansed through the blood. Right? Pride is the most deadly weapon. It's destructive and capable of mass destruction. It will destroy he wants to destroy. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give you what? Life. And life what? More abundantly. We always associate that just with things, but it's, oh, it's way deeper than just things. The abundant life is way deeper than just having a nice house and a nice car and a bunch of, a bunch of money in the bank. You know, nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. Because money it takes money to preach the gospel. It does. I don't know. I don't know. You don't get on a plane for free, you know. You got to pay. So it takes money, and uh, you know. So, anyways, let's keep on moving down the road here. In some way, he, the reason there is here are some ways. Now listen to this. The reason there's no repentance is because people have made for themselves idols, images. You know, you get all these images, and, 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 an, and an idol is a is a, is an is a, is, a, is, is an, a, an image to represent a false god. And there's so many idols in the world right now, so many idols, so many things. They even made a program, American Idol. You know, I mean, come on, you know, and it's like blast. You see, you see, look at look at how the devil uses he uses the media. Ameri and nothing wrong with people that sing. That's all good, you know. They're just doing their thing. But I think that, that you know, I think that this this whole thing is 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 wrapped up in his his strategy to to disarm us, to 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 stop us from this commission. He wants to disarm you, you know. He wants you to be armless. 
you know, because then you can't lay hands on people, you know. He wants you to be defeated. That way you can't walk for Christ, you know. But he's the one who's defeated, and he's the one who is disarmed because we have Christ, and Christ is the, the hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's keep going here. So there are idols in the body. Oh, yes, there's idols. Oh, yeah. We idolize sometimes, you know, our human strategies, you know. Worship, for example, the vision. We Listen to this. Worship the vision rather than the God of the vision. Watch this. They worship the vision rather than the God of the vision. They have a vision, but they worship that vision more than the God of the vision. They come up with an idea to win souls, and they want to wor worship that vision because, oh, we came up with this idea. Oh, no, 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 no. God gave you the idea. Give glory to God and watch the thing just flow. Amen? So watch this. Remember, the definition of an idol, an image to represent a false god. Pride is an image to represent a false god, and his name is Satan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Pride is the root of all sin. I've said that before. Watch this. Some signs of pride. Watch this. Now, this is going to help you. This is going to help you. I'm going deep here now. I'm going to cut like a knife right now. We're going to cut. We're going to use sharp. We're going to pull the sword out and swipe like that. All right? Here we go. Some signs of pride. The, the ability, inability to admit, admit when you're wrong. That's a sign of pride. Right? Yes? Okay. Here we go. Not submitting to authority. Ooh. You know, submission begins when you don't agree. <laughs> Not just when you agree. Oh, yeah, the pastor has an idea, but we don't like the idea. That's all right. He's, he's the angel of the church. He's the pastor of the church. But either you trust in God's choice or you don't. Ooh. That hurt. <laughs> Ooh, that hurt, man. That's a stinger right there. Either you trust God's choice or you don't. Amen? Let's go. Let's keep moving here. We'll get through this. All right. Oh, here's a good one. I love this one. <laughs> know it all attitude. You know everything. I know. I know. I know. You ever been around a person? I know. I know. Uh-huh. I know. I know. Oh, no, you don't know. Yeah. Yep. All right. Another sign of pride, not acting on God's word. Ooh. Did you ever think that that would be a sign of pride? Yeah, because you're saying that your ability is better than God's ability. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. We're going to bust up some junk. Here we go. <laughs> right? Sorry, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Criti oh, criticizing others. You do that? You criticize other people? Do you? You criticize people? Oh, look at him. Sister so and so over there. Hmm. Hmm. Oh boy. And that hairdo is there or something, huh? <laughs> oh God. Oh boy. Look at that funky looking lipstick she's wearing. Ooh. Be careful, guys. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Think you are better than others. That's another sign of pride. You're better. Look at me. Look at me. Oh boy. Before you will stand before people. God and preach and do things in a massive, like in a mass like this, God will test you in all these areas. He'll test you. And, he will te and sometimes the tests are hard. 
They write in face tests. I just had one recently, one of those write in your face tests. New convert, lost his mind. Went up and down the alphabet, and I'm standing there like this. I'm like, yep, I'm sorry. I said something that offended him. I didn't mean it, but I said something that offended him. And I, and I said, I am so sorry. I'm sorry, because I was yelling. It was off on a tangent. You know? So I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to hurt you. Now, if I got into it with him, I'd lose the ability to speak into his life. Right? These are just practical things, guys. This is stuff for winning soul stuff. This is soul winning stuff right here, OK? Soul winning stuff, let's go. Being overly busy is a form of pride. I'm too busy, I can't make it to service tonight, I'm too busy. Well, what are you busy with? Rearrange your schedule so you can come to church. You know, be a church goer. Yeah, get here. Because when you get here, it's always on those days when you're really busy and all that kind of stuff and then you lay aside that. If you come and God speaks right to you, He's a good God. He loves you. He loves me, and he loves you, and he'll jump over a thousand just to get to you. He's smart. He created this whole thing. You don't think he's not going to know where you are? Remember when Adam sinned, and he goes walking through the garden, and he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. He knew exactly where he was. He just wasn't there. He knew Adam, you know, he just wasn't, he, was, he knew where Adam was physically. He wanted him back spiritually. He wanted to talk to him again. They used to talk, you know, have a conversation. Do you talk to God? I do. I just talk to him. I just drive in my car sometimes, and I have a conversation. I go, Jesus, I know you're sitting right over there, you know. I said, how do I do this mess? How do I get out of this one, you know, <laughs> driving down the road? And all of a sudden, Wah! the car goes, and you go, ah! <laughs> you know, you go, sorry, God. Sorry, Jesus. I didn't mean to do that. Don't do that. Where do you want to go for lunch? <laughs> you know, you know so it's like that. That's how I am. That's just my, that's my walk. You have your walk, I got mine. It's a personal relationship. Glory to God. Thank God it's not everybody's the same. What a mess that would be. Amen. So what causes pride? Oh, knowledge. Knowledge. Oh, yes, I know it all. Yep. Natural attributes, beauty, intelligence. That'll cause you to get in pride. You know, look at me. You know, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No. No, no, no. Be careful. No, it's nice to have good things. It's nice to dress up nice. It's nice to smell good. Those are all good things. You know? It's nice to have that. Go into the store and buy that expensive bottle of cologne. Right, guys? Oh, man. I'm a, I'm a freak for cologne, man. I love it. I got like 19 of them on my bureau at home. I, I, I don't have a wine rack. I got a cologne rack. <laughs> it's vintage. <laughs> 1990. <laughs> you know, I got all kinds of cologne, baby. I got one for every day of the week. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> amen. 
Let's keep going here. Here's another one that'll get you in a mess. Prosperity, successful, accomplishment. That'll get you in a mess. It can get you in a mess. Pride. It really can. You got to be careful. God prospers you. Guess what? For what reason? And if we ever arrive at this, we will evangelize the world that God prospers you to prosper his work. Be a giver. We just got over being a cheerful giver, man. I like, what was, it, what was that one he said there? Hilarious generosity. Oh, that would be me. Yeah. Hilarious. Here I am, God. Your hilarious generosity. Right? Walk right up and give, baby. It's good to give. It's fun to give. I like what, you know, you, you, you got you to do this. This is really fun to do. Take a $100 bill or a couple hundred dollar bills or whatever you got, whatever you can afford, and just stick it in someone's Bible without them knowing it. And then watch when they find it and stand back and just go, yeah, nope, that's cool. Because they go, where did that come from? Is God printing money? <laughs> you know, it's so cool. It is so pick up somebody's tab without them knowing it when you're in a restaurant. Tip for God's sake. Those people work hard, you know. Be a good tipper because you might have to minister to that person someday. So don't be a cheapskate. Oh, this is all practical stuff. You, I'm sure you've probably heard this before, but it's broken up, but I'm giving it to you all at once. I'm shoving it right in your mouth. You know what I mean? Pastor likes to spoon feed, you know, pastor spoon feed, you know. They, you know, they scrape it off your mouth and put it in your mouth. I jam it right in. <laughs> Eat! <laughs> All right, let's go. Here's a good, now here's one that can be very, extremely dangerous. Spiritual power, supernatural miracles, gifts being used in these areas. You have to be very careful because you can think it's you. Sometimes I'll be out ministering, and I'll go to lay hands on someone. And Well, let me just give you one. I'll give you one. This is last year, right? I'm in this church, right, down there in Brazil. Pretty good-sized crowd, and uh, people come up and get hands laid on them. So they come up, and uh, there's this one guy, and this man has a herniated disc in his back. He's in a lot of pain. He's walking like, you know, he's barely walking. So I said, come, well, come on over here. I said, come here, come here, come here. And he comes up, come closer. And uh, I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I always have a conversation. I'm, co I'm constantly talking with the, with the Lord. I said, Lord, how do you want to do this? He says, turn him sideways. This is the truth. The Lord says, turn him sideways, lay hand on his head, and lay hand on his lower back. So I do that. It's exactly how God told me to do it stand back, right? And this is a truth for now. This man, without anybody holding him, went all the way to the ground like, like this. He bent all the way back, and he went right back up again, and he stood up. Pastor gets up out of the chair. He comes over and goes, goes Jeffrey, you ever seen anything like this? I said, no, not like this. I've seen some crazy things, but this is really weird, you know? <laughs> and so 
He goes down. He comes back up. And I said, hey, how you feeling? He says, I'm good. He says, I'm good. I said, what can you do? Can you do something that you couldn't do? Like, yeah, he's bending over, back and forth, going like this. I said, well, go and sin no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's all there is to it. And you just stand back and enjoy it and watch God do his thing. Yeah, he's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. I got thousands of them. There's hundreds of them. We could go all day. We can preach until three if you want. I mean, hey. Why not? I know it's hot in here. I get it. But don't worry about it. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Okay, so where else do I want to go on here? So we need, a, we need a voice and we need a broken heart in this commission that God has called us to. A voice and a broken heart. Direction and destiny. Somewhere God to give you the direction and that destiny that, that's to keep going, that'll happen and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and, and, and keep working for him. Amen? You remember the story of Jonah? Yeah. Jonah was called to go and speak in Nineveh and preach to them. And on his way, he gets on a boat. And, you know, he, he's not in God's will and he's out of God's will and he knows that he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do and captain on the boat gets all upset and they decide to throw him overboard you know because the boat's going to crash and they got to get this guy out of there because he's a bad influence so they throw him over he ends up in a fish he ends up fish food and he has a revelation in the belly of a whale that he's supposed to go do what he's supposed to go do, and he ends up going to do it. And, and when he gets there, Jonah, you can find that in your Bible. Go there real quick, and I'll, I'll, wrap, I'll wrap this up, all right? We'll pray for some people here. Yeah, go to Jonah, just a chapter one, and we'll read this down a little bit, and I'll just show you something here really cool, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray for some people. Amen? All right. Glory to God. All right. So Jonah, he says, uh, it's in the word here. It says, now, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And he arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down and got into it with them to Tarshish and from, from, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, a mighty tempest. The storm came. He said, then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, Why do you, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise on your, arise on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. And what does he do? He says, And they said to one another, Come and let us cast lots that we may know who is the cause of this trouble. And they do that. And so, so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us for those who caused this trouble upon us. 
caused this trouble upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and, and of what people are you? So we said to them, I am Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the Lord of heaven, who made the, the, the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this is a great tempest beca is because of me. So they throw him in the water. They get rid of him. He gets swallowed by a fish. And, you know, obviously you see here through the rest of the story, you can read this on your own time, but I'll just give you a couple of little high points here, and then we'll, uh, we'll move right along. And uh, it just shows you that he was supposed to do something for God, and he got out of God's will. So if God has put something in your heart that he wants you to do, and you know that you know that you got to do it, you gotta follow. you got to follow the will of God. Sometimes it may it may feel like it's it doesn't look right, you know. But it's God's will. I mean, I got offered a church in Brazil, a, a church with a pastorate and a house and a car and a salary and everything. But I said I got to make sure this is God's will because it can turn into a disaster. Imagine, and I would be responsible for all those souls. You know, that's not good. No, no. It's a bad thing. It's the worst place you can be is out of the will of God. And he was out of the will of God here. That's a dangerous place. The safest place you can be is in God's will. Hmm, that's scary. It, it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. You know, I don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. I want to fall into the hands of, 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 of God, God's will and, and, and go and do what he told me to do. Amen? Yeah. So... Jonah made a big mistake. He made a big mistake, but when he got, guess what? When he got to, to uh, the place, the whole, the whole, uh, the, the whole uh, city there, the, 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 the higher ups, the noblemen, all of them, they all became, you know, they all became humbled and repented, and there was a great revival. You see what I mean? So our prayers, no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's in the wherever, our prayers still need to be for those that are in authority. Because no matter what, it's not about us. It's about what's going on in the spiritual realm. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers that are at work in the air. So we have to constantly pray, pray, praying down, bringing down the strongholds, you know, right? What is a stronghold? And uh, it's a, a fed, a fed thought, a thought, a fed thought. You keep on feeding, and you feed and feed and feed. It becomes so strong that it holds you, that it binds you, that it bounds you up. You see what I mean? And that's what's happening. And that's what they want to do with this, with this country. They want to keep binding us up, binding us up, binding us up, getting us off track, 
Stay on track. Stay with the Bible. Stay with the will of God. Stay in the river of God. Stay in the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Stay with the anointing. Don't lose the anointing. Protect the anointing. Like it's the last thing that it's your, your life depends upon it. Protect the anointing of God. Protect the anointing of God. Protect the power of God. Protect everything that God has given you. Protect it like it's your, your life depends on it. Don't lose it. Don't lose sight. Keep your eye on the mark. Keep going. Don't give up. Fight, fight, fight. Keep going. Yes. 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 Amen. Amen.